and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, March 30th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And lots to get to this week. Uh, we will start with a movie review. Okay. We saw Us. Yes. The new horror thriller movie from Jordan Peele. Of course, a Get Out and... He's going to be bringing us a new iteration of the Twilight Zone soon. Previously from Key and Peele. And just generally like fucking brilliant guy. Yeah. And uh, it was good. It was great. All right. That's it for the movie review. (laughs) If you have not seen it, stop listening um, and hit us up in like four minutes. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Mm -hmm. There's Uh, no way to talk about this movie without. I guess. Okay. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen us yet and you're planning to and you don't want spoilers, uh, if you're listening on Netroots, turn us off for the next five minutes or so. Yeah. Or skip ahead on the podcast four or five minutes and you should be should be safe. Yeah. So spoilers. Okay. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, we had some technical difficulties in the theater. Yeah, that same theater. <laughs> that same theater. At one point, um, sort of during like the climax of the film, there I, was just no sound. I think it was the same exact theater. It might be yeah, that they that always put us in, in that Wars. theater. Yeah. Um, but so there was just no sound. And, and the so lights could, came on. Yeah. We could see what was going on, but we couldn't hear anything. And that's just not how movies are meant to be <laughs> happening. So it turned into a silent movie. <laughs> I immediately went to the people. A bunch of people walked out and were like, we're going to tell somebody. Um, and I went downstairs and was just like, look, I'm here for my refund. Um, we got us two free movie tickets out of it. Then they rewound it ridiculously far back. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people left. And it was back. just ridiculous. It was epic fail. This is what we have when we don't have people running movies anymore. Um, yeah, there's no projectionist. No, they didn't notice. They didn't know until someone told them, until like five people told them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I want to go see it again um, because it's a really... It's, it's a lot of things, right? It's a horror movie, and if you want to just go see it as a horror movie, I think it works. Um, but it's mm-hmm. also got a lot of social commentary um, that's not, like, thrown in your face, but just kind of in there. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten some backlash about that, I think, um, which I don't is know interesting. Backlash as much as people are a little grumpy that they don't quite get it. Get it. Right. So that makes it a bad horror movie somehow? I don't know. No, but it's I, still I, a great horror movie, even if you don't know what the hell's going on. I really liked it. Um, the sort of idea behind it is that there's two, that everybody has like a clone, essentially, and that the clone version of you lives in this like underground tunnel system, and it and they don't explain exactly what it is, which I think is really smart, because... Um, this movie is done by the characters in it and they don't actually know, right, what their situation is. They can only sort of guess. Um, but it, it deals a lot with, I think, the the sort of undertones of it were really about class and about this idea of, like, meritocracy, right? This um, moralizing of of people in positions of power and money Um was my sort of takeaway from it, which was that you and someone identical to you switch places. This is the big spoiler, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
and how we see people that are in positions of, of power and money as like they got there because they worked hard and this is the narrative that we've always told everybody. If you work hard and you do the right thing, then you'll eventually become one of the upper class. And that's, of course, not true. Um, but that there's something moral about people that have risen to that level, that there's something better about them, that mm-hmm. they deserve to be there in some way. And this movie, in a really subtle way, kind of flips that on its head and that the main character um, uh, is actually switch spots with a person who was of the uh, above ground versus below ground. So it would be like upper class versus lower class and successfully manages to do all of that because that was the position that she found herself in rather than bootstraps. Yeah. Um, And so I, I really, I mean, I loved it and I have been reading things about it because I walked out of it going, I have to think about this movie for a very long time. (laughs) Um, And I've heard that on the second watch, it's much uh, a lot of things get illuminated. Yeah, it's one of those movies you watch a couple times and you catch... And then you're like, oh. All this other stuff. <laughs> right. Um, I think the really important thing is that it's the... Um, uh, it broke every record for a horror original horror film uh, opening day. Mm-hmm. Um, it has as its lead a black woman, mm-hmm. um, entirely black cast, mm-hmm. a black director... Producer. Not an entirely black cast, but the, the white cast members right. are secondary. Very much so, right? Yeah. Um and and proving once again that like this old mythos of Hollywood that like nobody wants to watch a black movie is absolute bullshit. Um that you can absolutely cast black people in movies and as the leads mm-hmm. in something that's not entirely about their blackness and it will still do really well. Right. Because we can look at things like um, the NASA movie about the black ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie did really well. And a lot of people are like, well, that's because it's this and that's because it's that. And there's all these excuses that Hollywood sort of makes and that white men like to make about why well, that's an exception and why it's not really that, that's not really true. Okay, but and, people, people like us can make a point about that too. I think a lot of white liberals went to that movie to tell their white liberal friends how they went to that movie and how wonderful it was. Right. And how wonderful it was right. to see a movie about that. And as where you're the saying, NASA ladies, right. Mm-hmm. As we were saying, a movie like this is, or, or like Beale street, like you yeah, right. could see right. somebody like my mom, love you mom, if you're listening, which you're not. Um, but she would be like, I, I saw Beale street and it was so wonderful and blah, blah, blah. Right. right. She can tell all her liberal friends that to show this how James Baldwin right. play and right. Whereas this is just a movie that happens to star black people. Right. right. It's not like anything that has to do with race is very, very subtle in this movie. And it, and I think it's very secondary to, yeah. the, to the class. Very, themes. very, yeah, very. So. And I don't think people went and saw this movie because of that, like feel good liberal moment. They wanted to see Jordan Peele's next movie. <laughs> and, and I think it's good in a way too, in that you're watching this movie, especially younger generations. And this is the, this is the archetypal family, right? The family is the typical American family. Yes. To setting up like a good horror premises. You mm-hmm. take a typical American family. On summer vacation. Up, Upper-ish middle class. Upper middle class family. Family. Going on summer vacation to a, a spot. And nobody has to sit and watch them. Oh, this is odd. They're all black. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I think probably some people were like, this doesn't make any sense. From the <laughs> yeah, beginning. some people. Sure, <laughs> right? but, but younger but, people I probably mean, not so much. Well, and but most audiences should watch this movie and it's really just a horror movie if you want to watch it that way. Yeah, if you want to watch it as a straight, upper creepy middle class horror movie. Family going on summer vacation has and some scary, scary doppelgangers trying to kill them. 
Yeah. That's it. That's all you need. If you don't want to bother, you know, twisting your brain to find the hidden stuff, you don't even have to. You could really like 10 year old me would really enjoy this movie yeah, and not and, understand. And even taking all, like the race component out of it entirely, yeah. you can still enjoy it as like a kid who grew up in the 80s, um, a kid who like. There's a lot of pop culture stuff in it. Um, yeah, the 80s there's stuff a lot of was. There's not that much. There's I, a little bit of it at the beginning. And I end. disagree. I think a lot of it has to do with that. And and I've been reading some uh, Twitter threads and some people talking about the sort of like the stuff that they uncovered, yeah. and it makes the movie just that much better. But um, really, really quick too. Another thing I noticed, and uh, in in the 80s, that House of Mirror was called mm-hmm. Vision Quest. Yes, it was horribly. <laughs> Horribly racist. And then in modern times, it's Merlin's magical mirror forest or something like that. No, it was called something based on the Goonies. It was called like Chester Coppertown. No, no, no. It was was Merlin's magic mirror house. That definitely had Merlin in it and had like Merlin the wizard. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you, but there was a whole Twitter thread about it. Oh, well, about then, how it was based on something from the Goonies, which I loved the Goonies when I was maybe, a kid, but, but haven't watched it. Then since they're I was... talking about a different movie because the thing was called Merlin's. Okay, Magic I said House. I'm not going to argue with you about it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so I think go see it probably twice, um, and then I want to talk about kind of what happened after uh, Jordan Peele. You know, he's extraordinary. I think as a director and a thinker and a writer and. Um, He's been interviewed a bunch of times, and in one of these interviews, I think it was like Vanity Fair or something, mm-hmm. he said, um, yeah, I don't really ever imagine myself um, casting a, a white dude. I thought they asked him. In one of my films. I don't know, but he said that. And he said, it's not like I have anything against white dudes. And then like sort of motioned toward his white uh, executive producer who was sitting next to him. And then he said, I've just already seen that movie. And I was like, yes, I've seen that movie 70 million times, right? Like, and then he said, and this is the part, like, because of course the internet melted down and all the white men had so many feelings. But then the part he said after that, which I thought should have gotten more coverage and didn't, was I feel really honored to be able to cast black people in my films. Mm -hmm. I get to do that. And why wouldn't I? And I, and so the internet melted down and he's a racist. racist, And how dare he? And the thing I would say is that, I'd like to think about how many white directors don't say that sentence out loud and yet never cast a person of color in their films. Sure. And we never talk about that. And certainly it would be racist for them to say they would never cast a black person because that would be actual racism. This is not that. This is not racism. This is saying um, we don't have, like it's a newish genre to have something really popular be just a bunch of black people and that he feels really honored to in be the able leads. to do that. In the leads, we should say. It's not right. like there are no white people in, in but the trope, his movies. Like There's my, lots of white people. My friend Alethea was saying like the trope of the black person in the horror movie is the first person to die is really a serious thing that happens, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And she was saying like she really liked the idea that they all survive in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and or, or if they're not the first to die, they're certainly never the last one standing. No. <laughs> yeah. Never. Um, and so she really appreciated it when she saw it for that reason. Um, I, and you and I talked about this too, uh, found it really striking that in the last, um, sort of minutes of the film, you see all of these people that are dead on the street because of this thing that's happened and it's all white people. (laughs) And that is a thing that you just don't see. Yeah. And I really liked it. I thought that I 
want white people to be dead, but I like the representation. I like the idea that like, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's going to be a bunch of dead white people in the street. And we don't see that because it makes people scared. Makes white audiences uncomfortable. Yeah. Whereas a bunch of dead black people in the street, that's fine. Black, brown, white yeah. mixture, but it's definitely yeah. more, it's not representative of the population, let's right. say. And this is like a beach town on the East Coast. So it's going to be a bunch of white no, people. No, it's the beach. It's Santa Cruz, California. Oh, was it? The okay. exact opposite of the East Coast. Mine. Okay. And the population <laughs> of Santa Cruz is? Mostly white. Okay. Yeah. So my if mom, that were to actually happen. My mom used to live very close to there. It would no, be. No, that's exactly what it would look like. Right. Yeah. Right. And I liked that that, you know, was there. Anyway, I really liked it. And I, I feel like I need to go see it again at least one more time to like reprocess because it really there's a lot going on okay if you want it to be so go see us it's very good see it a couple times um and see twilight zone when it comes out i'm really excited about that yep yep and uh hey if you're a white person you think jordan peele's a racist great don't don't see the movie and don't email maybe me. it'll be a little less crowded when we go to see the next jordan peele movie and please don't email us i don't care, <laughs> like, don't care. oh go ahead Just- <laughs> Don't care. I don't waste Maybe time. I'll read them next week on the. All right, on the politics. I want to talk about Chelsea Manning. Okay. This is important. So we talked about Chelsea Manning a couple weeks ago. Um, she has been in prison for 23 days. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, her, it's been that long. Yep. Okay. Her legal team on Thursday, um, I believe Thursday it could have been Friday, but I think it was Thursday, um, appealed the contempt. Uh, ruling in her case. Remember, she was held in contempt of court for refusing to cooperate with the grand jury investigation into testimony that she'd already given. Um, There's been some uh, more information on this front that has been released publicly that I would like to talk about. Um, So her legal team appealed to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, to appeal just uh, Judge Hilton's finding of civil contempt. Um, and I'm just going to read directly from the appeal okay. because I think it's really interesting from a legal perspective and, and really kind of fucking brilliant. Um, so they asked for an appeal of his uh, finding of civil contempt for three reasons. Number one, because it would appear that Judge Hilton denied Chelsea's motion asking the government to disclose the existence of any unlawful surveillance without actually considering the evidence. Mm-hmm. Rarely does a judge deny a motion without doing so explicitly or making any actual rulings or statements about any of the legal issues brought before the court. Judge Hilton didn't question the government about any of the issues or facts raised in the electronic surveillance motion. So they filed a motion um, asking the government, compelling the government to expose. Chelsea is saying that she has been electronically and physically monitored by the government mm-hmm. in a secret way. Yeah. And that she they so they asked to for the court to compel the government to expose or deny um, that that had happened. Cuz you need you still need a warrant to surveil people. Mm. Yeah. No. But it's complicated, but let's just I'll just I think this might help. Um so Judge Hilton did not question the government about any of the issues or facts raised in the electronic surveillance motion. Mm-hmm. He did not even ask the government to make simple affirmations or denials regarding whether it was aware that electronic surveillance had occurred, although the law requires that the government make such denials once a colorable claim is raised. 
These questions about surveillance are especially important because any evidence derived from unlawful surveillance may not be used in a grand jury. And the existence of such surveillance would excuse Chelsea from having to testify before the grand jury. Yeah. So that's argument number one. That would make the civil contempt charge go away. The judge did not compel the government to do even a simple denial of that because they wouldn't be able to deny it because they're, they have proof that um, Chelsea and her legal team have proof that, that such surveillance has occurred. Mm-hmm. Number two. Because the judge failed to demand even minimal assurances that the subpoena was properly motivated, despite ample evidence of abuse. The proper purpose of the grand jury is to investigate federal crimes, and if justified, issue indictments. Prosecutors may not use the grand jury for the primary purpose of preparing for trial of an already secured indictment. Chelsea raised concerns that the government did not need her testimony to further their investigation, and that rather they intended to use the subpoena to preview or perhaps undermine any testimony she might give at trial for an already pending indictment. This would be an abuse of process, which would excuse her testimony. If the purpose of the subpoena was improper, it should never have been in place, issued in the first place. The district court judge should have considered these arguments and elicited confirmation of proper purpose from the government. He did not consider the facts or the law in this motion, and the finding of contempt should therefore be reversed. So what that means is, we already know that there's this sealed indictment for Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. The purpose of the grand jury yeah, the is to slip. elicit testimony that would therefore justify an indictment. Mm-hmm. If they already have the justifications for an indictment in place, right? If this is this is a pending indictment, meaning that they're sort of holding it back. That means that they already have the evidence they need to indict him. That's yeah. the only purpose of the grand jury is to find out whether or not someone should it, be it indicted means or not. Another grand jury already decided, based on evidence provided, yes. that there was a reason probable enough, cause to indict cause Julian to indict. Assange. So now, what do they want? So what? Do, why are they? Why are they subpoenaing her? And the answer to that is found in this motion, which is they want to preview what Chelsea Manning might say at a trial against Julian Assange. Mm-hmm. They want to. Without a judge, without defense counsel, without anybody else around, they want to see what she's going to say. To help build their case. They want to know what she's going to say so that they can impugn that testimony and impeach her should they need to. Right. So they can prepare for trial. That is not the purpose of a grand jury. That is a misuse of a grand jury. It is absolutely illegal. And it would vacate her contempt charge because there's no reason for her to be compelled to testify before a grand jury if the purpose of that grand jury is not lawful. The problem with this is, it's a really good brief, by the way, in my opinion. I'm not a legal expert. It's but, amazingly brilliant. But that is going to require the judge to be like, wow, I never really thought of that, and I really fucked up the first time. And judges really don't like doing that. They don't. They really don't. So that's why we're appealing it to the Fourth Circuit <laughs> Court of Appeals, right? Yeah. Um, because this judge fucked up, and they got to look at it and go, that judge fucked up. That's the point. I don't know. Where's the Fourth Circuit again? I know the Fifth Circuit and I know the Ninth Circuit. So this would be in Virginia, right? Um, just yeah. as her... Who's the judge? I don't or who know. Are the, who's I, on the panel? I, I have no idea. Yeah, we got to see if they're Bush appointees or... <clears throat> so number three, this is their final point. Because significant portions of the contempt hearing were held in a closed courtroom in violation of Chelsea's Fifth and Sixth Amendment rights to a public trial, and the government has not given any good reasons for keeping the proceedings secret... 
Remember that even though Chelsea has not been convicted or even accused of a crime, she is being held in conditions that amount to solitary confinement. We hope at the very least that the Fourth Circuit will release her during the appeals process on the basis that her so-called civil confinement has been transformed into punishment, Mm -hmm. which is not legally permissible. Yeah. It is important to remember that Chelsea is currently being subjected to a form of imprisonment that arises to the level that the UN and many other experts consider to be torturous, which is especially egregious given that Chelsea has not been charged with or committed or convicted of a crime. So that's what the appeal says, right? That's what the brief says. And I think that's really important to remember, especially considering the following. Sorry, give me one second. Um, I mean, she's not been charged or convicted of a crime and she's been held for 23 days now. And it's possible that she can be held for an additional 18 months. Um, I'd like it to be known that Mueller, right, let Papadopoulos... Flynn, Stone, Gates, and at the beginning, Manafort, to be let out Mm -hmm. when they had provably committed treasonous crimes. Yes. And she is in jail. (laughs) Yeah. Secondarily, she is in the same facility as fucking Paul Manafort. (laughs) Chelsea Manning is being held in the same facility as Paul Manafort. Yeah. Okay. And she has not been done nothing. She's being held in solitary confinement for refusing to answer questions about a thing that was already subject to years of prosecution before. They have her testimony. Backing up just a second, uh, just to clarify for people, it was relayed earlier on the news this week that even though Mueller submitted his report to the Department of Justice, there's still loose ends that are being tied up. Is this one of them you say no? No. Right. This is not not Mueller. No. Okay. No. I think no. I think that um, we don't know. But it seems very likely that this is um, related to the Julian Assange indictment not having anything to do with Russia because I don't think the current Department of Justice has any interest in um, indicting anyone about interference with the election. All they're (laughs) interested in doing is indicting him for way fucking back in the day in 2010. The Iraq War. The Iraq War. Um, They're interested in putting him in a cage for exposing war crimes and not for interfering with an election that they yeah. won. Yeah. So I would tend to agree. Um, that's what it very much seems like. Um, but Chelsea Manning is in jail and she has like, you can be like, well, she was convicted of, yes, yeah, she was convicted of a crime and did her time. She did her time. And was she got out of jail and was a private citizen. You are also a private citizen. Imagine if you were called to a grand jury to, this is this is corruption at, at its core, right? To do this. I would hope that our listeners would be as brave and as strong and as, uh, and as um, profoundly um, committed to uh, ethics and, and morality and their own causes as Chelsea Manning is yeah. in order to be put in jail. Can we back up and talk about this a little, in a little broader sense? Because I've been arguing with some people on Twitter right now that, that are under the impression that she's doing this to, quote, protect Assange mm. or cause she's buddies with Assange or something, right. something Russia. Right. And no, like let's, let's just reiterate <laughs> no. once again, these are two very different things. WikiLeaks was first made famous. The only reason you know what WikiLeaks is, the only reason that it's ever existed is because this person, Chelsea Manning 
when she was um, in the army, leaked um, evidence of war crimes being committed by the United States during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. Yeah. Two WikiLeaks, which they then leaked to the public. Yes. Okay, so that happened. She was charged, sentenced, um, and did seven years in jail. Julian Assange, uh, the justice system would very much have liked to do the same thing to, and instead he fled to various embassies and things and ended up in Russia. Um, So... What we're talking about is that Um, the Justice Department doesn't seem particularly interested in anything that has anything to do with Russia. They are interested in the idea that Julian Assange leaked war crimes evidence. Yeah, yeah. But but my my point is Chelsea Manning's motives in this. Like, oh, you're right. You're right to point out Chelsea Manning's dealings with Assange was Light years before Russia and 2016 she was in jail. Hillary. She was in jail. Yeah, the she whole had nothing time. to do with she that. She was in jail. But secondarily, it, this is not about protecting Julian Assange. No. Julian Assange, if if he if they ever extract him from that embassy, is fucked. No matter what Chelsea Manning says or doesn't yes. say, um, the, sec- the extent of her yeah. knowledge ends. I mean, it it ends when she was originally incarcerated. They're, yes. What do you? What is she gonna? They're not gonna let you. Let's just explain it in very simple terms for people so they understand. Why is she not co- cooperating with the grand oh. jury? She's not cooperating with the grand jury because of a lot of reasons. I guess I would break it down in two or maybe three ways. One, um, it's an improper use of the grand jury. They already know everything that she knows. And so asking her to repeat it before a grand jury only accomplishes two things. One, um, they can test out what she's going to testify to in a trial, um, which is an improper use of a grand jury, and Mm -hmm. that's bullshit. Two, it's a perjury trap. So anything that she says that even has a slight color of like, misunderstanding or not entirely truthful or they can spin it to make it seem like she lied puts her in jail for perjury Mm -hmm. number three because of the lack of restrictions on a grand jury they can ask her so many things that have absolutely nothing to do with julian assange's indictment remember there's a military trans ban about to go into effect this is a department of justice and president that is extremely hostile towards trans people yes and there are trans activists out there. There are trans military right. activists out there. There, Correct. there are all sorts of people that she is networked with that and the those, Department of Justice and Trump doesn't particularly like and would like silenced or yes. worse. And so what they will ask her potentially, and we don't know, but she's not prepared to answer questions of this nature because that would be a betrayal of her people, is who do you know? Who's trans? Who's mm. in the military? Yeah. Who's a hacker? Who's this? Who's that? Right? Who are your political affiliations? Who helped you with that election you tried to win? Who helped you with this? What's their phone number? What's their email address? Remembering that if she doesn't know or refuses to say any answer any of those questions, she's right where she is right now. Mm-hmm. If she answers them incorrectly in some way, even if not her own fault, she's back in jail, but she has a charge of perjury now. So now she has an entirely separate criminal charge against her. There is absolutely no reason to cooperate with a grand jury other than to try to keep yourself out of jail, which is futile because you're going to end up there or you're going to 
potentially expose really vulnerable members of your community to yeah. federal investigation and, and with more information than they that, that they should lawfully have. These are not questions that you can ask under any other circumstances and be compelled to answer. Yes. The grand jury is the only situation in which you have to. You are compelled to answer or you go to jail. And her crimes... Uh, were already adjudicated they and were. she already was convicted and did her time and and had Obama commuter sentence. And remember, people keep forgetting this or ignoring it. Trump was furious about that. Yes. He he thought that was the worst thing ever because Obama did it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know... And Obama did spit in his eye doing it three days before his inauguration. Yeah. And Obama should have done it years before that. Don't think that that might not have something to do with this. Of course and it does. As soon as Barr gets uh, announced AG, all of a sudden this pops up. Like, it might be coincidence, but you really think so? Probably not. And are you going to take that chance if you're Chelsea Manning? No. No, you're not. Talking about which hunts. If you have, like, the best legal team in the world on grand jury resistance, the answer is you do not cooperate. Yeah. You just don't. There is no upside. There's nothing good that comes of it for you or for members of your community or for marginalized populations within that community, which they very much would like to know who those people are and what they're up to. And if you lie or don't answer, you end up right where she is anyway. And again, I know a lot of our liberal friends hate Assange now because he's a Russian puppet, which he is. I agree. Me too. But that's not what this is about. That's not what this is about. Chelsea Manning doesn't know anything about Russian hacking and John Podesta. She was literally in jail. <laughs> I don't know what was she happening. was in solitary confinement in a federal prison. Throughout she, the entire election cycle of nothing 2016. to do with any of that. All they want to know is questions she's already answered on its face. And what she's they not, actually, if they, if that's all they really wanted to know, then they don't need her. And she's not personal buddies with Assange. Assange and WikiLinks was a tool of getting this information that she had discovered about war crimes being committed during the Iraq War and occupation. By the Bush administration, disseminating she just it could not stand into the public, yes. being a whistleblower. Oh, yes. how do I do that? Oh, there's this entity that does. That is the extent of their relationship. Yeah, she sort of found them through this like Berkeley connection when she was a part of a group of hackers in there. She found this this thing that existed and and she leaked it. She, so once and again, she's admitted to doing that. She's given hours and hours and hours of testimony. There have been yeah, years long investigations rap. into this. She took she, the rap. She, she said, "Absolutely, yes, I did." Yep, and here's why. And she should have been protected under whistleblower, but she wasn't. And so she did seven years in jail. And now she's back in jail because there's no reason for her to have to say anything more than what she's already said. Again, once again, she's not doing this to protect Assange. It has no. nothing to do with protecting Assange. It has nothing to do with Assange. Nope. <laughs> nothing. No. Other, other than the reason she was in jail in the first place is because she used Assange to disseminate the information. But she's already said everything she knows about that. Yeah. So, so I, now it's just who do you know? I know. And what I, is this I, I, I'm just and... trying to direct it to these people who argue with me on <laughs> Twitter that this is somehow about protecting Julian Assange because something, something Russia Trump. No. Nope. She's got nothing to do with that. Nothing. Zero. Get it through your fucking thick heads. She was in solitary confinement for the entirety of the 2016 election cycle. Okay. All of it. All right. And moving on from there, we'll keep, we'll keep you updated on this I have on a couple stuff. of asks. Yeah. Um, Obviously, donate to her legal fund if you can. This shit's really expensive and really um, time-consuming, and there are so few people in the world, in this country, I should say, that that are experts on this and that know how to make that three-pronged argument that is so brilliant, um, and she needs help paying them. Number two, write a letter. 
That's one of the things that she said when she got out last time that really helped her emotional well-being and mental well-being was receiving letters from people who understood her plight and were on her side. Number three, and this one's really fucking easy, so you have to fucking do it. Go on Twitter and amplify this. Amplify, amplify, amplify. Retweet. Send it to people you know. Talk about it. Talk to your friends about it. Put it on Facebook. Put it on Instagram. Like it's, it costs you nothing and it costs you 30 seconds. The more people are talking about this, the likelier it is that she will be successful legally with the grumbles motion, which you remember is convincing a court that she's never going to cooperate with the grand jury and therefore her incarceration is not coercive but is punitive. Mm-hmm. And so the more we can get this message out there in the media, in social media, in the public – that this is not a thing that's going to coerce her to ever cooperate, the likelier the chances that we let get her the fuck out of jail and on with her life. She didn't ask to be a part of this. She was sucked into this. This is this is from years ago. So the best and, and most important thing that I need all of you to do is I have it on my Twitter. I'm going to ask uh, it'll be on our Twitter. Um, just retweet it. Put it everywhere you can. Talk about it to people that that you know and just really try to amplify that this is happening and and let's make it a trending thing that people are talking about okay all right so moving on from there um bill barr bob bill wait is it bob or bill it's bill ag bar <laughs> ag bar because bob Barr was a, a former senator it's william bar right william bar uh Pressure's finally been put on to the point where he is like, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I'll give you the report. It's like 400 pages. I'll give you the full Mueller report. It's going to take, you know, a few weeks and it's going to be redacted. And Nadler and the Democrats are like, no, 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 no. You're going to give us the whole fucking thing unredacted. And there's, on the topic of grand juries, um, (laughs) (laughs) this is what I love. You got to love the duplicity of these people, right? Because Barr, on the one hand, is trying to compel um, Chelsea Manning to to testify in front of the grand jury for no good reason. On the other hand, he's saying, well, I can't show you the Mueller report unredacted because this grand jury testimony could expose uh, third parties to some information that really affects their privacy, and we don't want that. That's not very nice. And remember, like, grand juries are notoriously secret, and so you're not allowed to ever have them unsealed unless a judge agrees in this in Chelsea's case um, her defense team argued to have the grand jury testimony unsealed mm-hmm. and the prosecution had no objection right but because she didn't agree to testify but back, but back to <laughs> but Mueller because we're putting our listeners in a coma probably with the, uh, what does that mean I, I mean they want it they want to hear about this stuff I think too or not Okay. Grand grand jury unsealing grand jury testimony is something a judge can do and has done uh and it, that was done with the Watergate testimony, was it not? I don't know. It was. It's good. So Barr saying, "Well, we can't no 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 no. We I I can't give you this grand jury testimony. I just I can't do that. Um it it doesn't jibe with uh historical precedent." 
So what Democrats are saying is like, we need the whole thing unredacted, grand jury testimony and all. And, and this is going to be a fight and a dance that's going to go on for months and months and months. And they're going to try to run out the clock till we're so deep until into the 2020 election. It's like, we don't have time for this to keep relitigating this Russia stuff. It's done. Like that is obviously the game plan, right? But if Barr thought he was going to get away with his little cliff notes of cliff notes, four pages, four pages, uh, in fact, within 48 hours, within 48 hours of a 400 page report, you know, I read a lot of books. How about you? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, does it generally take longer than 48 hours to read 400 pages book and then write a summary of that book? Unless you're doing it for the entire 48 hours? If I had to, like I did it in college a couple times when I now, literally didn't will be sleep. Like, he has an entire team and they've split it into chunks and da 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 da. Okay, cool. But you guys had enough time to everybody read a chunk of it, like synergize if you're using corporate speak, right? And everybody knows as much as they need to know and they've given him that information in 48 hours enough for him to release a summary of four pages that seems reasonable to anyone. No, it's not. But he walked it back and then he was like, no, 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 I didn't mean Don't to say. Don't call it a summary. No, I wasn't summarizing the report. I was just summarizing the the really important findings. How do you know what the really important findings are if you didn't read the whole report? <laughs> or if you're not going to give us the information on the whole report. I mean, it, it, there's still so many unanswered questions. There's so many loose ends. But but the, we understand what the game plan all along was. It was to say... There's not enough to charge here, so we need to move on, and there was no collusion. And then Trump and the Republicans do their victory lap. Of course, they're so stupid. Now they're, they're talking about like a revenge tour, which would obviously necessitate all the details coming to light if they actually went through with that because they're idiots. And they're also spiteful bastards. Um, but, you know, aside from that, um, yeah, this is going to be an ongoing fight. It's going to it's gonna be nonstop. And it seems like the Democrats are just going to be relentless and they don't really care about people screaming that, oh, you know, you're just prolonging this and witch hunt and whatever. And there, it, there hasn't been this huge change in the perception of Trump's guilt or innocence. And like, it's not like his approval ratings have shot through the roof and everybody thinks he's innocent now. But things are basically unchanged. And that doesn't help him. Uh, it doesn't help us in in terms of like Barr is not going to just turn over the full report without enormous pressure and some intervention by the courts. I think that's clear enough. And I see this going all the way to the Supreme Court, maybe sometime in the spring. And we probably know how that's going to go. Right. Your thoughts on that? No, I don't really. I mean... I don't know. I uh, the FBI is not our friend. <laughs> no. Um. All the white people out there who are literally like on Twitter sobbing about how they feel betrayed by this law enforcement agency <laughs> not protecting them from the Ooh. abuse of the executive branch um feels a little tone deaf yeah and i just want you to think about like i don't know how black people feel every time their family members get shot in the street and nothing happens um that's yeah. what that's this version of this and so you should be really fucking mad you should and i'm mad um i also like the fbi is not our friend they never have been 
And um, I don't, I don't know what the Mueller report says or doesn't say. I don't yeah, know. That, again, I, 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 we keep coming back to that. We we don't know. Everybody no is, is assuming. Maybe it says nothing. Maybe it's a love letter to Trump for all I fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. What I know is from my personal experience, the people who want to keep things secret are generally the people who think that the thing they're keeping secret hurts them. Yeah. In personal life and professional life and in the law especially, the people who are <clears throat> arguing fervently about keeping something under seal or about keeping something private or about keeping something redacted Mm -hmm. are generally the people who think that the thing that they're trying to redact hurts them. And so I think that's obvious, but maybe it needs to be said. Like if the Democrats were like, seal the Mueller report, that would be weird, right? You'd be like, (laughs) oh shit, did he do nothing wrong? Right, right. Um, So the people who are trying to keep it secret are generally the people who think that there's something damaging in it. I think that's just seems fucking obvious but maybe it's not um well the polar opposite i think was with the they're trying to get everything about the fisa warrant on um carter page republicans we want the whole thing and it was actually the intelligence people who were pushing back and like no we can't we can't do that (laughs) well so if you're using that same logic why would the intelligence people not want to do that yeah right and that would be because they used illegal tactics to acquire whatever it is that they know. Illegal right? coercive tactics. Because FISA courts are fucking bullshit and unconstitutional. No, they are. They, Even they, against Carter Page. <laughs> They're bullshit and unconstitutional. Granted, and now the Republicans' whole thing is we need to relook at that whole FISA thing. Of course, they'll put up a big song and dance, and when it comes down to it, you know, they'll huddle in a room and say, like, okay, you'll no, never... we definitely fucking need this. We're yeah, spying yeah. on American yeah. dissidents and our political enemies. Yeah, we're we, definitely we totally, keeping the FISA we, courts. We're definitely... Need, and it'll go We're away. definitely like, keeping the FISA it, courts. It, That's it how may, we know everything yes, about the... Yes. Whatever they consider Antifa or whatever yes, fucking bullshit, Yes, right? for God's sake. Like, it's they like, want this. It they makes, just don't want it against their guy. And, and again... Guys, it it is not black and white. We have to be a little nuanced in our thinking. And you have people that call themselves progressives out there now championing the FISA court. And it's like, no, God Please damn stop. it, no. Please stop. Please no. stop. Please stop. stop. You have to stop. For God's sake. You know, that that is one sense where... It I has been the state using extra-constitutional, extra-judicial power to spy on American citizens since mm-hmm. its inception... It has been largely used against political dissidents, which has largely been us. Yes, and will certainly almost always continue to be so. Okay, so the FISA courts are bad. If we can get them in enough of a tizzy to make them go away, which we never will. (laughs) Great. No, no. But if we can even make incremental changes, because they're so mad about Carter Page. Okay, (laughs) great. What new regulation do you want to make on the FISA courts? What new transparency do you want to have on the FISA courts? Let's call them to the fucking question. And you know, and we'll agree. Fuck Carter Page. He's nobody. He's nothing. I don't give a shit. If it takes Carter Page getting away with murder, fine. If they agree to get, like, it's going to take him getting away courts. with being a Russian spy. It's just fine because the fine. whole it's one guy, Washington and then we don't team, have FISA courts anymore. I would them. be happy to have Carter Page go be a Russian spy for the rest of his life which won't be very long probably. But look, this is this is one point where I always talk about hip woke comedy Twitter, right? The super left-wing mostly young male writers and comedians on Twitter. It's like they have a good point about this. Like we t- we tune in 
to MSNBC to Hayes and especially Maddo and Lawrence O'Donnell. And like they love having these federal prosecutors yep. in, in, the, in the age of, of Mueller and talking about how important the FISA courts are. And Every how legal expert is somehow are. a former prosecutor. And, and, and we're, we're pretty fucking sick of it. It's like we understood the utility of it. And now we're fucking sick of it. Right? Can I, if you could just never hear the word former prosecutor, blah, 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 I would love it so much. Yeah. How about former defense attorney or current defense attorney or civil rights attorney or I don't know, literally anybody but a former prosecutor would be fucking great. Yeah. Since they generally are people that defend. It's one of the, like yeah, us. yeah. It's, it's one of those things where justice gets turned on its head a little bit, right? Like, like during the OJ Simpson You start trial. believing the state is on your side and... This is what happens. Yeah. You start believing that the state is going to rescue you from the state. <laughs> this yeah. is what happens. You now, get to go cry in your Cheerios and I'm not going to come fucking give you a hug. Maybe. In Stop that, believing that the state's going to rescue you from the state. Yeah. Maybe in that sense, this is illuminating. Right. And, and again, we don't know what the fucking Mueller report says. I, like, I have a feeling it was kind of a punt, but with a shitload of like juicy deets, juicy deets and evidence that, that, that Trump probably should be charged. And he said, but you know what? I'm not going to do it. DOJ reg said, I shouldn't really do this. It's I'm a, investigating. Here it is. Here it you is. Do the what balls you in your court AG. Yep. And of course, because the AG was installed by Trump, um, he says, eh, no, it's fine. And like, I'm 95% sure that's what even John Dean was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> well, John Dean should have seen it coming too. Um, you know, like I think his opinion was like in my day, like even, that was too, that's too far. Yeah. But what John Dean also didn't point out is not, you know, neither Jaworski or Archibald Cox issued anything that said the president should be indicted or arrested. They never went that far. They just laid out the things he did, which is probably the exact thing that Mueller did. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe Mueller was naive or maybe my, Mueller was... Uh, following the playbook of those Following folks. the playbook and confined to what he realistically thought he could do. You know, or maybe he is just so by the book it doesn't matter. And if the Republic falls, oh, well, I did my part, but right. what can I do? Right. I'm not a savior. I don't actually wear a cape. I'm just, I'm just a cop. <laughs> at the end of the day ACAB I'm, maybe ACAB yeah. anyway alright we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about Betsy DeVos flying in and out on over broomstick around Washington cackling about how Betsy DeVos wanted to get rid of the Special Olympics and to her shock and horror people said that's a really bad idea why would you even suggest that you monster and so we're going to discuss that yes and we're going to discuss a bunch of other crap and we'll be right back
Hello, and welcome back to Reverend Testimony. Um, we have a special guest for the second half. Moses the Cat has joined us. Hello, Muzzy. He's sitting right here between the microphones. Um, you might hear him purr. Possibly meow, although he's not much of a talker, so <laughs> probably not. In any event, um, I want to talk about a couple things. Joe Biden, as we have discussed, mm. keeps doing his little fan dance, you know, showing a little leg and then covering it back up and then showing you a little, you know, little side, little side boobage, maybe, and then covering it back up. <laughs> Joe Biden has not announced that he's running for president. But he keeps hinting he's totally going to, you guys. And in polls, they keep polling for someone who has not actually announced running for president. Yeah, that he's, and he's at, at the, the top, top because of name recognition at this point, probably most more than anything. The problem is, and I think we theorize as to why Joe is not yet pulled the trigger and is seriously considering whether he will, is, well, we had a story this week about Lucy Flores, who is uh, in Nevada. Former state rep from uh -huh. Nevada. Mm -hmm. And she met Joe, and it was very uncomfortable. Um, the way she described it, he, like sniffed her and kissed the back of her head and, and like rubbed her shoulders and stuff we've seen him do in public right? yes yes and she just she didn't it was unwanted and she felt very uncomfortable with it and it is not okay to do that and joe does that habitually and lucy flores is not the only one who's going to come forward and i bet a lot of them are waiting Unless, you know, until he announces his candidacy. And he knows he's going to be facing that. And is that how he wants to go out? Is that how he wants to end his political career? You know? I have as, a lot to say about this. Yeah. Um, it, a lot of people have been sort of downplaying this story as like, oh, he's Uncle Joe and like, uh, he's affectionate. I've heard like, this he's old and so like these younger women he sort of sees him you know them as like his you know like nieces and like the, what this whole this this entire like sort of washing away of this inappropriate sexual behavior from this person and I would ask you Travis as a white man mm -hmm. to tell me if you would just go on a journey with me here Okay. Um, you as a person uh, were at an event where you were helping somebody do something that you could help them to do. Mm -hmm. And you didn't know them, uh, but didn't, you knew that like you yeah. had shared values and stuff. Didn't have an intimate relationship with right? this person. Yeah. And you went up behind them and touched their shoulders, kissed the back of their head and neck. Um and like breathed into their hair. Would that be a thing that you would think would be appropriate to do under what circumstances exactly would that be appropriate to do? Uh, it would be appropriate to do it to you mm -hmm. and nobody else on the planet, really. Right. <laughs> right now, I mean, maybe one or two other people, but right? people I already have pre-established intimate relations with. So like a uh, random woman that asked you to come help her like produce an album would you feel it appropriate at a public venue to like sniff the back of her hair, kiss her head and neck, and like whisper in her ear? I wouldn't think it was appropriate. And that's the first time you've met. To make any physical contact unless it was initiated by her. 
even like maybe a hug. But you find this inappropriate, yes? I find it wildly bizarre and inappropriate. Because women, I think, are like, oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, y'all know oh, him. Oh, yeah, that. Y'all know him. So you, as a not that guy, I want, I really, I'm legitimately asking for your take on under what circumstances is, like, you're not, like, how do you get into the, what, what the fuck? Let because me, I've met that guy, and it's really uncomfortable. Let me, let me. But re- it's also kind of, like, common in a weird way. Like, not that common, but common enough that I've done it, like, twice, and it's like, can you not be touching me right now? But it's also like a person that I really respect and also like is helping my career. But it's also like, why are we doing this physical thing that I don't really know let you me, at all? Let me, let me actually relate a story. And I, I've just been thinking about this lately. Like you talk, certainly in the Me Too movement, there's all these women everywhere that all of a sudden it's like they're remembering things they put out of their head or not really thought about. Like, oh yeah, that, oh my God, that, oh yeah, oh, that. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. I had my mm-hmm. own little, oh yeah, that moment from when I was in high school. So I was in high school at this very, I went to this very small private school where my dad taught. And Which is why you were allowed to be in that high school. Yes, Definitely. yes. And I was, it was my senior year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was my senior year of high school. And I'm talking to somebody, a friend, I, I think, and this teacher, this female teacher who I didn't really know and wasn't even my teacher, came up behind me and started rubbing my shoulders and and said something. And this is like in the middle of the busy hallway with, you know, teachers and students, everybody's walking by. And I don't remember what the context was or what she was trying to say, like, oh, Travis, I hear you're doing this or that with the, you know, the pet band or something. I, I don't even know. And and then she just I does that. And I just kind of shrug it off and walk away. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. And like it kind of stuck with me that that was just weird. And then I brought it up to my girlfriend at the time. And my girlfriend at the time was, I mean, first of all, she, you know, at that age, she was a little kind of, you know, catty about it. Like, well, who's this woman touching you? Blah, blah. But <laughs> sure. then, but then afterwards she's like, wait, she did what? Like, that's not, that's weird. Why, why did she do that? And, you know, I forgot about it a day later. Cause you didn't feel threatened. by it. No, no. Right. But in thinking about it again, here's this person in this position of power doing this thing I did not consent to that was not appropriate. And again, I think it comes back to being in the position of power. Like she felt like she could do that because I was just, and and I don't know, I I don't even remember who this, I think she left midway through the year, maybe because she was doing stuff like that. But (laughs) like, I don't even remember her name. I don't remember anything about her. Um, She was there a very short time. Um, But like, I don't even remember what she looked like, but the point was, I think the way she viewed it was she was in this position of authority and I was not. And so she could do this Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter because I wasn't up here. Right. And that is very problematic. Right. And you remember that from a time like, and you know, not to minimize right what happened, but like that, that stuck with you all of these years. Yeah, it it's just, like it was somewhere touching in, the your back, shoulder. in the back of my mind, somewhere way in the recesses. Right, was it like a lady touching your shoulder and being like, mm, this is weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about this. Yeah, I don't know, like, why is this happening? What, what, it, like, I, again, right. it didn't creep me out or traumatize me. It was just like, this is, what, what is this? Why? This doesn't seem right. <laughs> yeah. This doesn't seem like a thing that should be happening, right? Um, right, and so then amplify that, like, 10 million times every year of your life. <laughs> 
God. As a woman, well, just you become you become numb to it. You do. Yes. You do. So and I think you don't lose your mind. Yeah, you have to, right? And so, this story about like Joe Biden doing this thing. Look, he's what, like seventy something? He's pushing eighty. <clears throat> he's old. God, can we not have an eighty-year-old in the country, please? Um, yeah, back in the day, people thought Reagan was old. He was like sixty-eight when he, you know, took the oath of office. Yeah, I think he was the oldest person. And now it's Trump. And now it's Trump. Or it would have been Hillary. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm not trying to get a, an age rant here, <clears throat> but that. Um, It doesn't at all surprise me, right, that this happened with Joe Biden um, and that like. No, this has been the dirty little secret around Washington. Like we've talked to some friends who know him and have interacted with him, people in D.C. Like there's the stuff you see and know about and then there's other stuff. And that's we're not saying like he's a rapist or no. anything like that. But he's. I mean, I don't know. He could be. He, I have no he, I fucking idea. He, he but could be. Like, we haven't heard anything like that. But he's definitely handsy. Mm hmm. And not always appropriate. And and the people that know him, in my experience, do tend to see him as like that weird uncle that like yes. is just sort of handsy in a way that's inappropriate. But he's old, um, and I think that that's how most people have viewed Joe Biden for the last forty years. Is like this guy that like is super nice and super like his heart's great, in the right place. Heart's in the right place, yeah. but it just gets a little handsy sometimes. But not in a like put your hand under your skirt way right, and just right. like a like massage your shoulders or kiss the your back of your head your or in this way that like back in the day was sort of affectionate and then men thought it was affectionate let's just be really clear about that and men that. thought it was appropriate um, and women were always uncomfortable with and now has become a thing that's like don't fucking touch me yeah don't do it don't touch me don't why would you why would you um, <laughs> so additionally to that I think there's more to talk about with Joe Biden. And like, I don't want to like, I actually don't care about ruffling feathers that much. No, um, fuck, fuck the feathers. I, I really, really, really don't want Joe Biden to run for president because of a lot of things. And one of, I mean, the primary reason is just about women, right? Um, this story does not surprise me. Um, it seems that there's going to be 30 or 40 more stories of women saying, yes. we've already seen in the public, like a weird leering and this weird, it's, like it's on tape <clears throat> over the shoulder thing. And this weird touching thing. And it's like, just don't touch women in case, just in case anybody out there needs to hear this. Don't touch women. There's a meme going around and just don't I, touch I, I don't them. know if it's, Chris can we agree on this though? Yes. Don't touch women ever unless they say that you're allowed to touch them. I think that that's a thing we can agree on. Yeah. But look, there, there's right now, there's this meme going around, and I think it's from C-SPAN, where it's, it's I don't know if it's Chris Coons or it's some member of Congress, their daughter, and and Joe Biden is doing the, the creepy Uncle Joe thing. He's like on top of her and touching her, and, and you could see in her face, she's like, oh, get away from me. And it's like, oh, God, no. Everybody's no. had a creepy uncle. Everybody's had a creepy boss. Everybody's had a creepy guy on the street. I don't want to elect the Democratic version of the creepy <laughs> uncle to the United States presidency. I don't want to do that. But back to why he hasn't announced yet, I, I think this is a big reason why. I think why. there's a lot more coming out. And from the people or, that I know or that, would come out. that know him, that adore him, he really loves his wife. Yeah. And he's very connected to her and very like committed to her um 
and I don't say that to mean that like he didn't do these things. I say that to mean that um, running for president could potentially mean that um, these things will come out. And she's going to be in the spotlight, which yeah. is another example of are you okay with sexism, your husband right? doing this? So it's and, not going yeah. to be up to him to explain these things. The media is going to look to her, Jill yeah. Biden, why is to it explain okay? and then her she, husband's yeah. behavior, which is <clears throat> totally God. unfair. <coughs> and she's going to be put in that untenable position yes. of either defend your husband, piss on me too. Like, what can she do in that situation? I don't know. Put on a Melania jacket and say, I don't really don't care. I like, I mean, seriously, it's, I think that is part of the reason where he's seriously thinking like, can we weather this? Do I want to put her through this? And, and is that, is that going to be my legacy? Right. Like, like there's no guarantee I'm going to win this. We were at brunch earlier and I was saying to you, I think if Joe Biden stops doing anything in terms of running Mm -hmm. and is just remembered as, Obama's best friend and like buddy and there's memes and he was a really good vice president and like that's it that's the best Joe Biden can do for his legacy if he runs for president this time post me too Mm -hmm. post all this stuff with all of the Black Lives Matter stuff yeah and we're relitigating Anita Hill and we can talk about that in a minute, which we're going to. Mm-hmm. He is going to destroy his own legacy. He if could. I am Joe Biden's advisor, I'm telling him, don't fucking dare. The problem is. You run away into the night, sir. You can campaign or, or, for people. Or don't. Be Jimmy Carter. You know, Campaign for people. Build houses. Go do good things. Build houses. Go do good things. Fight for the new Do not new deal, run whatever. for anything. If you run for something, we will destroy you with your own words. Yeah. And your own words are in and of themselves enough. He was already defending himself this week. Because we were talking about Anita Hill and Joe Biden said, I wish there was more that I could do for her in that moment. He was the fucking chairman of the committee. He had the most power in that moment to do something for Anita Hill. And what he chose to do was humiliate her and additionally to that, refuse to allow people character witnesses on her behalf to speak on her behalf. Yep. So Joe Biden did enough at the Anita, Anita Hill hearing and he didn't do the right things at that hearing and that's going to come out and I'm sorry like I love Joe Biden too and if he runs for president I'm going to throw that egg in his face and make him fucking wear it because that is the truth yes and you can grow and you can learn and I can believe that people can change and he's going to be fucking 80 and maybe I don't need some old white guy to be the president old white touchy feely <laughs> guy from the old school of misogyny and can you imagine how many women have had this interaction with joe biden i can't imagine how many of them there will be do you want the entire presidential primary to be about all the women that joe biden has done weird stuff to (laughs) yeah when we're going against trump sexual assault when we're going against trump kissing the back of my head is i guess is a form of assault don't fucking do that right like I, i i i would call it sexual harassment i've experienced it from my bosses in the past yep it is incredibly uncomfortable, especially when it's a person that's in a position of power. This is a person who's in a position of extreme power, who also like is in the public spotlight. Like I, I can't imagine the added things of that. Her coming forward is super brave. Yeah. But there's no 
limit to the number of women that are going to come forward. He didn't just do that one time. Yeah. No, I, of course not. He's, We've watched him do it other times yeah. in public on camera. No. And that, that's the thing. And, and, and again, Biden knows this, he knows all this is coming, but he also fancies himself as the savior. Mm-hmm. So I need to rescue the party. I need to rescue the country. I'm the only one who can do it. I, Nobody can beat Trump but me. Yeah. Yeah. That That's, that's what it's his the opposite day of the truth. His mode of thinking is, so I'm hoping he doesn't run. It's hard to get a read on whether he's actually going to. It's it's like he's he's just barely ready to jump all the way in the water, but just can't quite do it. And I think this is why. I think he knows what's yeah. coming. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Prior to me too, I think maybe it would have been less of a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but post me too, I think. I mean, it's a real question of like, do you want to do this to your family and yourself and your legacy? Because his legacy right now is like cool memes with sunglasses and Obama. Yeah. As besties. Yeah. Leave it at that, man. And then go campaign for people and go do something with your life. Yeah. But do do not try to be the president. (laughs) Well, we'll see. I mean, it's he's looking at those polls too. Like Nevada lady, good for you. Or yeah, let's just get it out in front, open early, and just like let's let the floodgates open so that he doesn't even try. Yeah, and of course already there's like, what is this woman's? uh, motivation. What's your agenda? Women, what is baby. it? The things we do to women. And these are so-called progressives. And I'm like, uh, hey, I'm sorry, but no. believe women parentheses except when it's inconvenient for my preferred candidate. That doesn't fit on a bumper sticker, right? And also, I've watched him do it on camera. <laughs> yes, it's not like it's impossible to believe. No, and if you want to try to turn everything on its head and say, well, that's okay, and you, you should, you should be okay with it, then vote for Trump. But we're not <laughs> electing that guy as our candidate. Yeah. Fuck that. No. No. All right. So moving on from there. Uh, Betsy DeVos uh, flew in on her broomstick to the before most Congress. garbage person to ever exist, maybe. Cackled about how her she's coming after your little dog, too. And uh, they basically, she unveiled her budget that wants to basically turn all the public schools into charter schools and slash all the funding for all special needs kids. And while we're at it, let's get rid of Special Olympics, which I didn't realize was partially funded by the Department of Education, Education. but it is. And her argument was it can be funded privately. (laughs) That's always their argument. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything fucking can. So why don't you quit? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Why are we paying your salary then? But anyway, uh, so... Brightly, this played horribly. You don't go after special needs kids in the Special Olympics. What kind of monster does that? What kind of monster does that? I mean, that is... Of all of the things, and I would like to point out what a fucking drop in the bucket it is financially, right? (laughs) Like, it's less than, like, a quarter of 1% of any part of the special education... Or of the education department's budget... It makes up almost nothing. Well, I'll get into some of that in a second and where I think this actually originated from. Uh, first of all, Betsy DeVos is a horrible garbage person. She, we already she's know that. made bazillions of dollars killing the public education system yes. and with charter schools and standardized tests and all this. She owns 10 multi, multi million dollar yachts. One of them got set afloat. And we hope we find the other nine. Um, mega rich beyond everybody's wildest dreams just a horrible garbage person she's trying to roll back title nine make it much harder for students to prosecute prosecute the rapists so yeah on that front like let's just be really specific about that 
she would really like for there to be more protections for the people that are accused of rape, as though we don't already have a criminal justice system that is entirely based around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, like, that these cases of sexual assault would not go through the traditional criminal justice system, but that they would go through the school system, which is something that a lot of sexual assault advocates have been fighting against. Yes. She's for. Um and putting the burden of proof on the sexual assault victim rather than on the perpetrator, which flies against everything that we know. Um, and now, um, fuck the Special Olympics. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, anyway. Why, like, what a weird thing to go after because it's such a small number of money. Well, ultimately. Why? I, Why? That's my question. Why? Why I, this one thing? Because I think it was Trump. I'll get to that in a second. But here's what happened, right? So these these Democratic uh, Congress people on the Hill were saying like, are you effing kidding? You really want you what? Can't. How, how do you justify this? And you know, well, it's fine. Yeah. I really like the special Olympics, but blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you're a, you're a monster lady. And then yeah. the news blew up with it. And then the next day she released this statement basically saying, it was I've an been op-ed in what, like the New York times. I don't know, said. but I've been mis- mischaracterized. It was unfair. I was attacked, but yeah, I do want to get rid of special Olympics. Right. <laughs> it's basically what it said. Right. It said, Everything that you've said about me is unfair and wrong and mean. And then the last paragraph is, and all of the things that you criticize me for, I want to do. Yes. So. Which was like, what the fuck? Yeah, gaslighting 101, right? Gaslighting yourself? Like, what are you no, doing? No, it's gaslighting everybody else. I'm not this person. I didn't do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And then you do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's gaslighting 101. Anyway, so that obviously didn't work. It just made her look worse. And, and then, then Trump comes and in. And then Trump like, rides in on his white horse and says, I know I'm going to protect the special. I'm going to save the special Olympics from the Democrats. Yeah. And then, Mm -hmm. and then it's like, Oh, I get it. I get it. Mm -hmm. It was him. Yeah. He said F F the special Olympics. And Betsy DeVos was like, fine, whatever. <laughs> Cause she, did, I mean, like she it's doesn't like really she care. She cares about children. No. Jesus Christ. Obviously. And, and then she's got to turn around and now eat the turd burger. Like she was the evil one that, that put the, put it on the chopping block. And then Trump came and saved the day from this evil lady. And she's fine with that. Cause whatever, like, you know, these people don't care. And Trump throws them under the bus and make, and he pantses them and humiliates them and they don't care. They just take it. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's great. He lets me be the secretary of education. Yeah, and my, that it's a great. I get grift. to gut all of the public schools and mm-hmm. make them into private schools to make money for my friends that I have stock in their companies. Yes, I don't care about the Special Olympics. I'm willing to throw it under the bus and then take the heat for it, and then it will be fine anyway. Right. If she cared that much, resign or make a public statement or do something. But no, she went along with it. And she kind of wrote this thing like, ah, you see, I, I, or she said something like, it was never my idea. <laughs> of course it wasn't Olympics. your idea. Yeah. Well, this is, this is his new like platform, right? Like, yeah. He this creates is his new crisis. Mm-hmm. And then he fixes the crisis he created. So he makes somebody create a crisis and then he's comes back in and says, well, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But then the weird part of that is this healthcare thing. Yeah, we haven't even gone to that. We're like, I create crisis, I fix crisis, I recreate crisis, and then I don't do anything. So not 24 to 48 hours removed from his victory lap for no collusion, uh, he instructs Barr and the uh, DOJ to, because uh, remember, there there's a case in court now where they're trying to get 
the, uh, Affordable, the Care Act. Affordable Care Act deemed unconstitutional because of, or parts of it at least, because of the individual mandate. And now they're now they've added to the brief saying that we should just get rid of, just strike the whole thing down. All and, of it. All of it. Every even pre-existing conditions, everything, every word. Conditions, um, your kid being able to stay on your medical insurance until you're, they're 26, like all of it. Let's just fuck it. It's it's Obamacare, and we're done. Yeah, and even though you can look back and pull up numerous, and by numerous I mean like hundreds of tweets of we're going to protect this, and we're going to protect that, and all of these things that they want of of Affordable Care Act mm-hmm. that they're just like no fuck it. Yeah. So that's wildly unpopular. That probably more than most things cost them the midterms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Republicans well, are like, what yeah, are you doing? Wait, hold on. Hold on. We said we were going uh, <laughs> to. Like, hold on. Why we, are we getting back in this fight again? That you were going to be the person who would save people's thing. This thing. And he's and like, that I am. I am. And, that thing, and, and so what he does like, is he says, no, 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 it's fine. It'll be repealed. And then you guys figure out something great. Right. And I'll, and I'll sign it. Yeah. And it's like, we can't, you know how hard it was to pass that shit? Yep. Like, we can't do that. And then, you know, with a divided Congress, like, we'll never get, nothing get our shit through the House. Never. And, you know, like. Which means, <laughs> just for the cheap seats, real quick, if they do end up, you know, gutting this thing, um, and because of exactly what you just said, which is there's no way, like, something new's going to happen quickly, that it will uh, make probably tens of millions of Americans without health care. Well, this is how Entirely. it's Entirely. And it's then good. unable to get it for lots of us. Like for me, example, right? I, I have a lot of pre-existing conditions. So do I. And so I guess I just die? Or I go to the emergency room and then I go bankrupt from medical debt like yeah. it was back when I was a teenager? Yep. Um, that's that's where we're going to be again. Now, look, here's how this thing is going to play out, right? This court is, this judge in Texas is going to, I think, take that bait and run with it. And then it's going to go before the Supreme Court, probably sometime in the spring. And then... Oh, good. And then it's going to come down to Kavanaugh. And Kavanaugh is going to have a decision. <laughs> like, am I going to be the foil that basically destroys the party in 2020 to do Trump's bidding? Or am I going to be the foil that makes the base hate me but saves the party. Well, but he he has a lifetime appointment, so that's the whole point of a lifetime appointment is that it's not political. Is uh, that, but it is political. Well, there's no way to remove him from the bench, so there is nothing political about it. That's why you can make no, popular but, decisions. but Democrats can decide we need five more justices. They can. And do you know which two Democratic candidates for the president have decided that one of their platforms is to stack the court. Yeah, Pete and was it Harris? Elizabeth Warren. Oh, it was Warren. I know Pete was one of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No, that sounds good to me. Um, that is not going to pull well, just because people think like, oh, well, no, there's nine justices. That's how it should be. Of course, forgetting that the Republicans made sure there was eight for a long time because of and the it used to Garland be only thing. seven. Yeah, but we, you know, it, we already it, stacked the court. Like. Yeah. This is a time in which we have to stack the court because we did this catastrophic thing, which was elect this man. Yeah. And so when we do a thing like that, we have to readjust other things. Yes. And one of those things is the court. And we have yeah. to restack the court into 11. But it, but, it, but in any event, putting on my prognosticator glasses, because I think it is inevitable that this Yahoo judge in Texas is going to, he's going to kill it. 
And then, you know, there'll be a, a, a stay issued and it'll go, it'll work its way up to the Supreme Court. Yeah. And then that'll be sometime in the spring, right in the heat of when the 2020 election season is getting going. And that nuclear friggin' bomb is going to be landed in the lap of Kavanaugh. He'll be the swing vote. Yeah. You will, I'm telling you right now. And what's he going to do? Who am I going to fuck? Am I going to fuck my party or am I going to fuck everybody? That's right. tough. Right. It's tough because we pretend they're apolitical. They're obviously political. And the Supreme Court is obviously a political body. It, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's not pretend. Sure, yeah, Roberts write these pon- writes these pontificating, uh, you know, decisions and opinions on how it's totally not political. Well, I, but well, I think what we should note is that, like, the point of the Supreme Court is lifetime appointments people get really mad about. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point of that is so that, like, if you make a decision I disagree with, I can just unelect you or whatever. Like, the point of the Supreme Court is to be apolitical. But because Supreme Court justices are appointed by political bodies, so by the president and confirmed by the Senate, it's inherently political. It just is. And I think Roberts, um, to his credit, um, the Roberts court, he wants to be remembered as being apolitical. He wants to be, he doesn't want to be defined by the divisiveness of our current political time. And so a lot of times he will go on the other side of things. He fucked that up with the Voting Rights Act. He will go on the other side of things, though. Yeah. To my point. um, And vote the other way on stuff um, that is like super, super divisive. Right. Like uh, not Not on workers rights. He's pretty steady about fucking the workers. Let me finish. Okay. Um, there are things that I think he does not agree with politically that I think that he has voted um, in a in a five to four to make the five go the liberal way because it is so divisive, like gay marriage mm-hmm. um, uh, stuff that's like just like I don't he he's not worried about his ideology as much as he's worried about his legacy. Yeah. And so I think that sometimes he tends to vote in a way that is counterintuitive to how he actually feels about the issue and he can make a case for it legally. Right. But like, I think that that's something that he has done because he really doesn't want the Roberts court. That's how we call all courts. It's by Mm -hmm. the chief justice's name and he's Mm -hmm. the chief justice. And so he doesn't want the Roberts court to be remembered as like this incredibly ideological (laughs) and entirely non legal, like right entity. He wants it to be remembered as like, you know, the Warren court or like whatever, like he wants it to be remembered as this thing that like he fostered that didn't do things ideologically. <laughs> and so Roberts is kind of a swing vote in that yeah. way that like he'll go the other side if it means that um, when people perceive the court to be conservative and there's a really hot button issue that comes up, he'll vote the other way to switch it so that it doesn't seem that his court is political. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. He does that. Um, and not a hundred percent of the time, but enough of the time that I think he's trying to fight against this idea that like he's fostering this political ideological sort of court. Um, the fact remains that it is right. We know when we elect a president that we elect also Supreme court justices. No, we don't all know that apparently. And that's the problem. Well, that's the thing that they ran on with Trump or we we don't think about that. I'm talking about our side. Mm -hmm. We don't seem to know that or care or remember or understand what that fucking means. 
But until it happens, this is what it fucking means. Right. In the next two years, you have the future of the possibility of even getting health care and access to safe and legal abortions on very much on the table. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yes, please. Okay. So the state of Georgia. Yay, Georgia. Um, has come out with a bill that bans any abortion after the fetal heartbeat can be heard, determined. I don't know what medical word it is, which is six weeks. And in case you needed like a little refresher on how pregnancy and the female reproductive system works, um, most women do not know that they're pregnant prior to about eight to ten weeks because you get pregnant kind of like right before your period's supposed to start and then the next period you maybe miss and you're like maybe like a week week two weeks after you're supposed to have your period you're like i'm fucking late right like it's like a week or two weeks right and so you go get a pregnancy test and you're pregnant in georgia currently um, they are proposing, and I'm not sure if it's passed, which is what I'm looking up, uh, a bill that says that post six weeks of, of uh, pregnancy, no abortion is allowed because a fetal heartbeat can be um, heard. So if you think about it, like, you have sex, you just, like, you don't have your period for a couple weeks, right? Then you're a little bit late, you go in, you get tested, you find out you're pregnant, Six weeks in, mm-hmm. which means that it's literally like less than the size of like my fingernail. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's kidney bean at that point. Um, and you are prevented from having an abortion. And probably you don't realize till about two weeks after that. Most women who have abortions do not realize they're pregnant until between eight and ten weeks. Because, like, you're late, or you didn't notice, or, you know, you got pregnant kind of at the end, and then, like, this weird period happens, and sometimes spotting happens. Six weeks is nothing. Right? I could have just had a period, gotten pregnant, and not realized that I was pregnant because my period wasn't even due, and I can't have an abortion. Yeah. Right? So... There is the possibility that you can hear a fetal heartbeat at six weeks. That is true. Banning all abortion after six weeks is fucking crazy. And essentially what it does is ban all abortions. Yeah. Forever. Because I don't know any woman who knew that they were pregnant and wanted an abortion prior to six weeks. Yeah. Women who want abortion... Like, I know women who wanted to have a baby and found out they were pregnant... About six weeks. But that's because they were checking every single day, multiple times a day, to find out if the thing would change, right? Because they wanted to have a baby. For women who did not intend to get pregnant or don't want to be pregnant, that is a larger scale, right? It's a long, it's a longer time range. And so, banning abortion after six weeks essentially bans abortion entirely, unless every time you have sex. At five weeks, you go test yourself to make sure you're not pregnant. Yeah. Right? Um, it's a backdoor version. It's a it's the death by a million cuts of Roe. Well, this is a pretty big cut. 
deep it's cut. It's a huge cut. Now, tell me. Like, 20 weeks is generally mm-hmm. when we say you can't have an abortion after 20 weeks. Right? Yeah. That's five months in. By that point, most people know they're pregnant and have most, decided. But not, but not all. Some places have gone 12 weeks. Right? Which is, I think, unduly um, punitive. But 12 weeks is like you probably know that you're pregnant by that point. Most people do. Um, I think 20 weeks should be the standard. But 12 weeks is, is generally the like the most restrictive. Six weeks is nothing. Six weeks means there is no abortion in Georgia. So has the governor signed this yet? Or That's what it, I don't know. Or is it just passed one chamber? Because sometimes uh, things will pass one chamber and the media will run with it like it's law. Um, well, I was just looking it up and then I was talking. So let me look it up. I'm not sure. Because um, sometimes even even very conservative governors of big states get a little squeamish at this stuff. They don't want to be at the center of the big, you know, ultimate final battle over abortion. You know, even if they campaigned on it. Yes, I think that's true. Um, that I'm not saying that, uh, you know. Well, let's we, look. Kemp um, wouldn't certainly sign it. He's a garbage person. And he's kind of a lunatic, so he probably will sign it. But All right, this is from today. The House approved it. Um, they call it the Living Infants Fairness and Equality Act. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, that's sweet. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Would bar women from terminating their pregnancies after a fetal heartbeat is first detected, which can be as early as around the six-week mark. That is a point to which most women are not even aware they are pregnant, Mm -hmm. if passed. So, so far, no. Governor Brian Kemp, a first-term Republican, is all but certain to sign the bill once a legislative session ends on Tuesday. Okay. All right. He released a statement after the bill passed the House on Friday, praising the legislature for daring to take such an aggressive step to limit abortions in the state. Quote, the legislature's bold action reaffirms our priorities and who we are as a state. Okay. So, so that's this, done. So it'll pass. NARAL will NARAL and those groups will sue, and they will get a stay, almost certainly. Uh, and then it'll work its way up and it, it'll go to the Supreme Court. Guess who we have there? Oh. Remember boy. from the last conversation we just had? Kavanaugh. Yep. And, they, and, and if you who think. Who rapes women at and, frat parties. And, and, and these, these stodgy experts get on and say, well, Roe is established and it's not going to. Like, they will find a way. They will do the gymnastics to, to you know. The gymnastics are not law. hard. What you say is abortion is still legal in Georgia, just only prior to six weeks. And if you can con- convince enough men on that court, which there are a plurality of, Mm-mm. that that's true, that we are not actually banning abortion. We're just limiting abortion. And right? Then, yeah. And then once that passes, every red state, that means every state that has... Um, both chambers and a Republican governor, it that's it. That's it. That's it. it all the dominoes fall. All the dominoes fall. Uh, now that may hurt Republicans politically in twenty twenty, but that's I think it so will. What certainly? 
that, but I, but that I would damage like to, would be really hard to undo. I think that we should not talk about this politically as much as we should talk about it as an effect of the lives of women who live in those states. Yes. Because it might and it might not be an impact in those red states. I guarantee you it will be an impact to women who live in those states. Mm-hmm. And women who are not economically privileged enough to travel to a state where this does not exist are not all women. And so not all women will be able to have safe and legal abortions in mm-hmm. these red states. And that means that women will die. Yes. Again, reminding you, just because it's outlawed does not mean women will stop having abortions. Women will always have abortions whether you outlaw them or not. Yes. Whether they have safe abortions and legal abortions, entirely up to the law. Women will always have abortions. Women have always had abortions. Women will continue to have abortions. If they cannot afford to travel to a state with not handmade tale laws about abortions, then they will try home remedies. And a lot of women will die. Yep. There's, there's no sugarcoating it. There's no getting around it. A lot of women will die. And those babies and fetuses that you're so concerned about, they're gone too. But in the process, a lot of actual human women who live on this earth, who should have bodily autonomy, will actually die. And that's what this does. They will die. So. Yeah, this is going to be these next this next year and a half is going to be pretty climactic in terms of the things we're fighting for between reproductive rights and climate change and the fate of the economy and freedom in all sorts of ways. Like this is sort of the final racial justice. It feels like we're working up to the kind of the final boss battle here as far as this country is concerned. And this country still is the most powerful country on earth. So it's pretty fucking important. Uh, And we're going to be here to, to, talk about it and try to help in, in any small way we can and tell you how to try to affect the things around you and every little bit matters. Chris, so. could you do me a favor and just like, I don't know, talk to the people in your lives in a real way, right? Like, first of all, first and foremost, talk about grand juries um, and Chelsea Manning because this is a thing that's not talked about enough and mm-hmm. needs to be amplified. Yes. And then really talk about like, if you outlaw abortion, that like nobody's going to stop having those, right? Women have been terminating their own pregnancies at their own peril for centuries. Um, and try not to be so hyperbolic that you can't reach people, but try to really like make the point to people who don't agree with you. Um, and, you know, self-care, stay healthy. It's a hard time. All right, stay active, stay tuned, stay involved now more than ever. I've been Travis. I'm Rachel. Uh, Irreverent Duo uh, on Twitter, irreverenttestimony at gmail.com. We will talk to you soon. Bye.